You're listening to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. Welcome to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols, the podcast where we celebrate early women artisan photographers. I'm your host, Lee McIntyre. In today's episode, I'm going to bring you the tale of two towns, which is actually the tale of three women photographers who were artisan photographers in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. For more information about any of the women discussed in today's episode, visit my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. Today's Tale of Two Towns starts with an advertisement in the 1894 Boston Post. It's very eye-catching, And I can't help but wonder what readers of the Boston Post would have thought when they opened their newspapers to page six that day in April in 1894 and were confronted with this huge boxed ad. And there were three lines in bold type that just leapt out of that ad. Those three lines said, a good fat baby given away April 19th. Wait a minute, what? What was that? Well, see... There's a lot of fine print in that ad, and when you read the fine print, well, let me read it to you. A good fat baby is a great blessing and should have its picture made at least every three months. Pictures are nearly given away at my studio. The price is so low, $8 cabinets only $2 a dozen to all who bring this advertisement. No extra charge for children. Bring this advertisement or you cannot get them for this price. Studio open all day, April 19th. And I shall take special pains to please all who call. You will find pictures in every style of art, from postage stamps to life-size at lowest prices in Boston. Call and inspect work even if you do not give orders. And it's signed, Mrs. Obertown, 425 Washington Street, Boston, between Winter and Broomfield Streets. So yes, this crazy thing that leaps off the page at you turns out to be an advertisement by a lady photographer named Mrs. Obertown. Obertown is hyphenated, that's Ober-town with an E on the end. Mrs. Obertown turns out to be a woman named Clara Ober, started advertising as a photographer actually in the Boston newspapers back in 1891, 1892, when you can see ads for Ober lady photographer located at that same address, 425 Washington Street, Boston. She's advertising lots of studio work and all kinds of cabinet card deals if you act down. But in 1893, there's a wedding notice that's actually kind of striking because it's written in a very sort of rambling yet folksy style. It talks about the pretty and picturesque wedding that happened yesterday. The wedding was between one Mr. Willis Lyman Town and one Mrs. Clara Francis Ober. The wedding notice actually describes Mr. Town, and well, let me read it to you. It says, Mr. Town, who is one such a lovely woman, is a large, jolly, and well-informed businessman of Boston. He has probably seen more heads upside down than any other man in the city. But when I tell you that it is because he is a photographer, and he has seen them on the ground glass of a camera, you will understand that it is all right. So yes, Mrs. Clara Ober 
actually wound up marrying another photographer, Mr. Willis Town. They run their studio for many, many years, first in Boston, and then later they moved to Springfield, Massachusetts. But in the 1890s, there are a lot of ads, like the one I read you at the beginning, for Mrs. Obertown. She was running the studio with Willis Town, but the advertisements always talked about her deals and interesting approaches to getting people to come into the studio. I mean, that example was one with the good fat babies. But then there's a Labor Day ad one year that says that the advertisement is for the benefit of the working people. They're giving you a special deal if you come in to get your picture taken on Labor Day. That one in April, well, that was tied to the Patriots Day holiday. That's why it was a special idea that it was going to be open all day on April 19th. That was actually a Massachusetts holiday. So another year, the Patriots Day ad is a little bit less I don't know, controversial, by just advertising, put on your new spring suit and come in to have your picture taken. She's open on holidays like Thanksgiving, when particular notice is given to come in now to get your pictures ready for giving as Christmas gifts. So she's very active as a photographer. But she's got a lot of write-ups in the paper. The wedding notice actually talks about her uh, as being very popular with newspaper reporters. I have a feeling maybe at least one newspaper reporter who always got private access to a lot of the things that she was doing, probably invited by Mrs. Ober to get some publicity. The newspaper reporter was given special access to the wedding, in fact, uh, because not many people were invited to that particular wedding. But one of the articles in 1893 before she gets married, describes Mrs. Ober as more than a mere photographer. I like that, more than a mere photographer. The wedding notice actually makes a big deal about how she is a very popular elocutionist or reader invited to parties to read other people's writings, books, but also her own poetry, it says. Also in 1893, that article that describes her as more than a mere photographer, she's described as an honorary member of the Boston Pilots Association. That's the Boston Harbor Pilots Association. It turns out that Mrs. Ober is pretty good at piling a boat. One thing that was interesting at the end of that article is that Mrs. Ober is quoted as saying she is not an advocate for women's rights, despite the fact that she has all these accomplishments beyond what the typical woman of her day would do. But then we get to 1894, and in June of 1894, she's in the newspapers because she is what's described as, quote, the chief encourager for a woman named Annie Londonderry. Now, Annie Londonderry is the pseudonym of a woman who decided to take up the challenge that said a woman could not possibly do a bike trip around the world. A couple years before this, there had been a man who had decided to bike around the world. He had taken a challenge that said he couldn't bike around the world on limited funds, and of course he did do this. He was able to successfully complete his journey on bike uh, around the world, raising money as he went by doing odd jobs. So the idea was that a woman couldn't possibly do this kind of journey. But Annie Londonderry has announced that she is going to be the one to take up this challenge and prove women can do it. Part of the deal is that she can't just get money as sponsorship. She actually has to earn the money as she goes. Mrs. Obertown is one of the organizers of this bike trip. She actually orchestrates a huge send-off for Annie Londonderry on the steps of Town Hall, I think it is in Boston, where they get the press out and they get coverage about the fact that Annie Londonderry is going to set off on this journey. 
The article says that at the end of all the speeches, Miss Londonberry wheeled her bike down to Mrs. Obertown's studio, where Mrs. Obertown employed her for a few hours to get her to earn some money, because, of course, Annie Londonberry had to earn money in order to do this trip. So she earned some money from Mrs. Obertown's employment, and then she also gets Mrs. Obertown to take her picture with her bike, and she buys a bunch of cabinet cards so that she can sell those in order to raise money along the way during her journey. I mean, Annie Londonberry is a fascinating character. Her experience on this trip and her overall life are fascinating, and they're profiled in a book by one of her descendants. I'll put some links and pictures in the episode notes for this episode so you can read more about Annie Londonberry. But what I find really interesting is that in 1893, Mrs. Obertown, well, she was Mrs. Ober then, uh, was quoted as saying she wasn't particularly fond of or in favor of women's rights, but here she is in 1894, really supporting one of the symbols of the new women in that time. Mrs. Obertown, in addition to supporting and championing causes like that, also gets appointed in 1898 to be the war exhibition photographer, the 1898 war exhibition photographer. Well, that's kind of interesting because it's not quite clear exactly what her connection has been to the groups that would be sponsoring the war exhibition, but she's been very active in the social notices with the local DAI chapter. In fact, a little bit later, she winds up dressing up as Martha Washington at a celebration the DAR has for George and Martha Washington's wedding anniversary, or the date that would have been their wedding anniversary. Now, Clara Obertown's father had been a sergeant in the Civil War. He actually fought at Gettysburg. But talking about her father reminds me that I haven't actually told you anything about Clara Obertown's background, who she was and where she came from. But you may have caught back when I read that wedding notice that when she got married, she was Mrs. Ober already. She had been married once before. So had Willis, as it turns out. When you look at the marriage registry, both of them are listed as photographers, but both she and Willis are listed as being married before. Now for Clara, it turns out she was born Clara Frances Abbott in 1854. Just as an aside, her parents turn out to have been married to each other twice. They show up as getting married in 1852 to each other, and then again in 1870 to each other. But as for Clara, well, she marries George Ober in 1880. Now, there's really sparse census information for both Clara and George. Clara only shows up in the U.S. Census in 1910 and 1930 after she's already married to Willis Town. The 1910 census actually points out that she had had a child at some point before 1910, but that the child is not still alive in 1910. But it's hard to say which marriage that child had come from. Now, for George, I'm not sure what happened to him. I did find a George Ober who was probably the same George Ober who married Clara Abbott. He's still alive after 1893, which would indicate that Clara and George must have gotten divorced prior to 1893, before Clara and Willis Town got married. But when Clara turns up in the record in the newspapers, in those ads initially, she's Mrs. Ober, lady photographer. So it's not clear when she started doing photography, if she started before or after her relationship with George ended. Neither one of them were photographers back in 1880 when they got married. Of course, after Clara marries Willis Town, she becomes Mrs. Obertown with that hyphenated last name. So I have several theories about why she became the hyphenated Obertown as the last name. 
maybe it was a way to connect her previous career as Mrs. Ober to her new career as Mrs. Obertown to indicate that she was the same lady photographer and to help her clients find her after her marriage. But another reason that she may have wanted to have that hyphenated last name is to make it clear that she was not just Mrs. Willis Town because, you see, Willis had been married before and his first wife was also a photographer. So as I said at the beginning, today's podcast is the tale of two towns. And the second town I want to talk to you about was the first Mrs. Willis Town. She was a woman named Anna Wing Town. Anna Wing was born to Simon Wing, who was the inventor of a type of camera called the gem camera. It was what's called a multiplying camera. It's the type of camera that allows a photographer to take multiple pictures on a single plate without having to remove the plate from the camera in between shots. In the late 19th century, this was pretty darn innovative. And so Simon Wing holds patents on cameras that he's invented in the late 1800s. And he's able to build a huge franchise of photography studios all over the country. He's constantly going here and there, setting up new uh, studios and taking on new business. But his main area of operation is in Boston, where he's raising his family. Now, on a side note, Simon Wing in 1892 is the first socialist labor candidate for president. He was either the first socialist candidate for president because he was the first person to run under the socialist party, or he's the first socialist to run who actually got enough votes to make it into the history books. I never could quite track down which one of those things is true, but he is considered the first socialist candidate. Now, his daughter, Anna, gets married to Willis Town on October 5th, 1875, in Massachusetts. And Willis is, at that point, working as a bookkeeper, according to the marriage registry. Anna, though, doesn't have any occupation listed. So that's 1875. In the 1880 census for Boston, we find Anna and Willis living together with their two kids, along with Willis's mother, brother, and sister, all at 425 Washington Street. Now, 425 Washington Street was where Simon Wing had a studio. He'd actually raised his children at that location as well, so there must have been living quarters and the studio. He had studios all over Boston and all up and down Washington Street, but that 425 Washington Street address is where Simon Wing's studio was until 1880. In the 1880 census, Willis is listed as being a photographer. And so I'm kind of thinking that Willis went into his father-in-law's business, took over the studio, and started running a studio at that location around 1880. But let me say that address again, 425 Washington Street in Boston. Does that ring any bells? Because remember that ad for Mrs. Obertown's studio? The ad for Mrs. Ober, even before she became Obertown? Well, that 425 Washington Street, that is the address where Simon Wing had his studio, where Willis Town, who married Simon Wing's daughter, sets up his studio, and where he continues to live, except after 1893, he's running a studio and living there with Clara Obertown. Which is interesting then, because trying to figure out what happened here, it seems like Anna Wing would have been the logical person to take over the studio, because she actually was a photographer herself. But clearly, she leaves, Willis stays behind, gets the studio, gets the apartment. Um, but Anna takes off and she moves to Gardner, Massachusetts, where she sets up a new studio. Her studio is called Town and Whitney because she's running it with a woman named 
Alma Whitney. Now, in 1893, around the time when Willis and Clara marry, ads start to appear in the newspapers for this town and Whitney studio in Gardner, Massachusetts. But there's also a notice for a sheriff's sale in the location where the town and Whitney studio had started. And the notice actually says, well, that building's going to be auctioned off. And, oh, it's where, you know, the town and Whitney studio had been, which is interesting. So the town and Whitney studio would have been well known enough to be a location information on a building that's about to be auctioned. Now, the auction had nothing to do with Anna Town or Alma Whitney. They didn't actually own the building. They had just rented rooms there. Anyway, they moved their studio, and they continued to run their studio in Gardner, Massachusetts, for several decades. They're very popular in Gardner. The notices always describe them as the popular lady photographers in Gardner, Massachusetts. They hold exhibitions. They are doing their studio, cabinet cards, et cetera, et cetera, and really making a living, making a, making a good living off of photography there in Gardner, Massachusetts. So we do see Anna and Alma in the 1900 census in Gardner, Massachusetts. They're both identified as being photographers. Anna is the head of the household, and Alma is identified as partner. What's also interesting is that in the 1900 census, we see that Anna has a very good relationship with her children. These are the children she had with her husband, Willis. Now, what's interesting is that there was no imagination in naming the children because the daughter is named Anna, after Anna, the mother, and the son is named Willis, after the father, Willis. But what's interesting is that they're living with their mother. Apparently, Anna didn't get the studio, but she salvaged her relationship with the children enough that they came and lived with her. In fact, in 1900, they've actually started working as photographers as well. Now, as I mentioned, the Town & Whitney studio in Gardner, Massachusetts, was a very active concern. Um, they are in the news. They are advertising for helpers at various places. But the ads start to taper off uh, toward 1920. There's just not a lot of information that I've been able to find online about their business. But I can tell you that by 1940, they're both retired. They're still in Gardner, but they're, they're now retired. Now, I should stop up for a moment and mention just a little bit about Alma Whitney. She was born in Massachusetts in 1862, and it appears from the limited information that I could find out about her. Prior to 1893, she worked as a teacher. But somewhere around 1893, and again, I don't know the exact date, but that's when she's clearly Anna Wing Town's partner running that photography studio in Gardner. The first mention of her as a photographer is actually in conjunction with her work at the Town & Whitney studio. And as I mentioned before, in the 1900 census, she's living in the same house with Anna and also listed as being a photographer. There's not a lot that I can piece together after the 1920s about the Town & Whitney partnership. However, it's clear from the 1940 census that both Alma and Anna have retired. And that's one of the challenges with doing this kind of research with mostly online materials, is that sometimes you run into an impasse where the trail just starts to run cold. Now, there's a little bit about Clara and Willis that pop up after they leave Boston in a ship's registry in 1908. Willis still lists himself as a photographer as they're traveling, but Clara does not list herself as a photographer by that point. They were already moved to Springfield in 1908, and in the 1910 census, Willis is running the town studio. 
Clara is not listed as a photographer, but it's possible that she was still doing some photography. I've seen that with other wives where I know that they're doing photography from other things, but they actually don't list themselves as photographers when the husband is running the studio. By 1930, Clara and Willis are living in a boarding house in Springfield. They don't list any occupations. By then, they're both 76 years old, so it's quite possible that they were simply retired then. Willis actually dies in 1932, just a couple years after that census. Clara lives to be 81, dying in 1935. Both of them are buried in the same cemetery, but not in the same grave. As for Anna and Alma, well, the 1940 census, they're listed still living in Gardner, but they're now retired. At that point, Anna is 84 and Alma is 79. Now, when we look at their tombstones, we see that Anna and Alma are actually buried together. Alma died in 1948 at the age of 86. Anna lived to be 95, dying in 1952. One thing to note about that grave, not only are Anna and Alma buried there, but also Anna's daughter and son, as well as the spouses of the two children. So that's my tale of two towns, three women photographers whose story is loosely connected by the fact that two of the women married the same man. But their relationship with Willistown, or even with Anna's father, Simon Wing, really seems to have nothing to do with the fact that they were able to forge successful careers as photographers all on their own. By the way, don't be surprised when Anna Wingtown and Alma Whitney pop up in future episodes of this podcast. They employed several women as assistants in the Town and Whitney studio, who later went on to have successful photography studios of their own. As always, stay tuned. In the meantime, though, you can head over to my website to see some examples of the photos done by Clara Obertown, Anna Wingtown, and Alma Whitney, as well as to get links to information about all the other people I mentioned on today's episode. My website is p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. You can also email me at podcast at p3photographers.net. That's it for today. Thanks for stopping by. Until next time, I'm Lee, and this is Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols.